Hi, you're listening to Go See a Show, New York City's independent theater podcast. The Metropolitan Playhouse is well known for digging up long unproduced plays and giving them a modern production. And it seems that whenever we dig into history, we see that the past isn't really all that far away. The more things change, right? As you'll hear, that's definitely the case with Shadow of Heroes, Robert Ardrey's documentary play about the Hungarian Revolution of the 1950s, which Metropolitan is currently presenting at their East Village home. Go see a show correspondent Alex Randrup spoke with some of the team after a recent performance. Take a listen. So I like to start with uh, just everybody saying their name so we all know who's on the podcast. So Alex, perhaps you'd like to... Start with your intro. Yes, I'm Alex Rowe. I'm the artistic director of Metropolitan and the director of Shadow of Heroes. I'm Erin Bernard. I play Yulia Reich in Shadow of Heroes. I'm Michael Turner. I play Janos Karar in Shadow of Heroes. I'm Jesse Lynn Smith, and I'm the lighting designer of Shadow of Heroes. Cool. And I'm also Alex, but we won't talk about me that much, so it won't be that confusing. Um, but we, we like to start these podcasts with just kind of asking... You know, if you ran into like an old friend later tonight and they're free tomorrow, it's you're like, you have to come, it's opening night for this show, how would you explain it to someone you wanted to come see it? <laughs> it's, it's too easy for me. Mm. <laughs> uh, I, I read this play several months ago and had never heard of it and had always had a passing interest in the Hungarian Revolution. Uh, but that wouldn't be a really justification for our theater to do it. Um, we're very, very interested in American history and American culture, and um, that's why the theater wanted to do it. The magic of it, I think, for anybody coming is how unbelievably um, it resonates with everything going on in the headlines now around the world and in our country. It's about an unstable government. It's about uh, disinformation. It's about... Um, a woman standing up for her her story and igniting a revolution. Um, it's about Russian meddling in political affairs, uh, and it's astounding to me the way it, it's astounding to me the way that it um, the, the recurrence of these themes um, reminds us of where we've been and uh, what we're what we're confronting now, both for good and bad. And in in its essential, it's about the life and the possibilities of of um, giving life to an ideal and the challenges those ideals face. But in the end, I think there's something inspiring, even though it's not entirely a, uh, an uplifting story. <laughs> like many tragedies, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I would say that it's a, a little pocket of history that is sort of largely forgotten um, by, by the culture I'm aware of in this country. And so it's, it's interesting to hear. So it's, you know, it's kind of a thick plot and it's rather complicated, but I explained that by saying like, that's what life is. Like, that's what history is. It's not simple. It's not Star Wars, good guy, bad guy, <laughs> bad guy wins, good guys. You know, it's not that. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's a complicated tale of the machinations from a country coming from one thing to another and in the middle having 17 twists and turns piloted by millions of people. So that's what it is to me, is a tale of a lot of people whose voices have been silenced on something that was rather influential. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I think going off of that, it's like one of the things that, like you learn about, the, about communism in school and you learn about the Soviet Union in school, but you don't really learn as much about the countries that it affected and why it was such a huge deal in school. Mm -hmm. They're just like, oh, this was 
this was Soviet Russia, and this happened, and America was afraid of it. And that's pretty much all you really know. And so going into pieces like this, you really delve into what it was like for those people and the struggles that they faced and how they might have overcome those struggles or how the people in living those lives continue to make their lives possible. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, because it is such a... Um... Uh, national situation but then we see in the play how it affects individuals who are big players as well as all of those small players who kind of roam the, the shadows of the stage um, and it makes it very personal because when we learn about war in history we think about it in these big vague terms as a sixth grader but we don't think about the people in the jails or on the streets um, and this gives us a really interesting balance of both um, that we get to see how the, the wheels are turning on a large scale, but that people are kind of getting stuck in those wheels. Yeah. And it's a really, um, there's a visual aspect, especially through lighting and the cast of how that all kind of operates. As a lighting designer, I mean, going through all the dramaturgy and research of this and having to present a design, which is such a like living thing, um, did you find like a specific key to this play? I mean, I found I had to do a lot of research on it because it wasn't something I was familiar with, the Hungarian Revolution at all. So I was like, okay, so there's like, what does the Minister of Interior actually do? Like, I don't know what these <laughs> things are. And um, so I think from a lighting standpoint, it was a lot of working with Alex and figuring out what we wanted to bring to the stage, like how we wanted people to feel in the audience and um, really delving into that and seeing what we could do and how we could make people feel scared at a lot of times and how we could make them feel calmer in other moments and things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and then as the cast, it's a large cast, um, but they even introduced at the beginning of the play that it's kind of these three figures. Um, and I'm, I'm just curious what it was like to really delve into these human beings who were sucked up into this huge moment in history. Yeah, I actually, um, it's funny because, and this is a big generalization, but a lot of political theater kind of makes my eyes glaze over. Not because I don't appreciate that it's an important subject matter, but because it feels like it doesn't delve into the personal enough, and yeah. people just sort of become figures or representations of ideas. And I really appreciated how human it made, this play made everybody, and um, how complex and how, slippery and it's it's a great challenge as an actor to sort of try and pin this character down and realize I can't really she just keeps changing and evolving um, yeah and also to know that these were real people and yet I was really challenged to find a lot of specific biographical information about Yulia Reich because most of it is in Hungarian or other languages that I don't sure. read yeah so um, I had like bare facts to go on and then I had the play and so just in some ways that was kind of freeing because I didn't have to you know, read 300 pages of a biography or something mm -hmm. and try and make that into a, a performance. Right. Um, so just trying to like uh, make her as human as I could and then focus on that and then allow these forces to sort of, and recognize that they're important forces to her and an important cause to her, but know that ultimately this is an individual yeah. with like a personal you know, identity and agenda. Yeah. I, I have a slight and different situation because there's like a lot of notated history about my character mm -hmm. and so I mentioned this in a talk, uh, talk back we had the other day that one of the wrestling matches for me was wrestling between what is historically accurate what serves history and what serves the author's intent 
because sometimes they are neck and neck, and then sometimes the author decides, this is what I think. And if you read history, you may or may not come up with that same conclusion. But what I liked about that is that just like um, Aaron said, it allows these people to come become human, and it, it just sort of, um, to me, sometimes we, we watch something that's historical, and we already know the end. Like, we think about the Revolutionary War, and like, we already know they won. But like in the moment, they did not know. They mm. probably thought what they were doing was like insanely stupid and like maybe a horribly bad idea and this is gonna end terribly. And so I love the fact that that's what we go through here is that like, yeah, we already know technically what happens at the end of this, but it's a much more gratifying experience to go through the emotional twists and turns as a character and have no clue what's gonna wind up happening. Oh yeah, for sure. I just wanna throw in that it's compelling to me that the play was written only two years after the last events that it yeah. tells and so our perspective and um, Aaron's inability to say to find the uh, the 300 page biography on Julia Reich is maybe all to the it's all to the good that we're limited in that because Robert Arvey when he wrote it had done extensive research he was in Vienna when he, when the revolution took place and that compelled his interest but he didn't have a lot, a lot of the information that we have since mm -hmm. the Iron Curtain was still up you know it was the height of the Cold War when he wrote it and so I think it, it makes it all the easier in a sense to um, get away from what we know now and really invest in the characters' journeys. And that's, I think, the great success of the play. I was just talking to someone about this. We've done a number of these um, documentary theater plays and plays that are derived out of headlines and, and sometimes out of really um, primary sources, uh, make up with the text. This one is unique, I think, for the way that it tells this a remarkable story of the whole national um, uh, movement and event and, and international movement of, of the uh, Comintern and, and um, the, uh, political um, uh, machinations by focusing on three, um, maybe four, uh, I don't want to give, give away what happens, <laughs> but um, people's journey and always coming back to that, which makes it a compelling theater, but also, as Aaron says, really gets us into what history is, which is the, the path of individual people's lives. Yeah, yeah. I also, I really love how the play creates a little bit of a framework within itself and gives the audience a little bit of a pathway. I don't want to spoil it, even though it's not necessarily a spoiler, just because I thought it was so delicious <laughs> to experience, but um, there, there was something fabulous about being introduced to the play at the beginning as it was a document mm -hmm. and that we were witnesses and people on stage would be witnesses mm -hmm. and that's such a, a theatrical act to witness something um, and speaks to me about a lot going on right now. Obviously there are a thousand connections in this play to what's happening now but yeah. We look at how we consume content and how we get information and misinformation and what we do or don't do with it. And this idea of seeing something as a document and just witness it and take in the lessons. And there are so many lessons to take. I really loved that part of this. And I, I think that's hard to do in theater. It's, it's a little tricky. So I, I, I just really liked that. That's me going on a little bit of a editorial, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it gives it um, a theatricality that lets you get into the characters a bit more and as people um, instead of just a history lesson. But I guess what I would love to know, just as an audience member getting to talk to you guys after a show, is... Um, D does this play give any answers or any questions that you personally have 
been holding on to or grappling with mm. or um, floundering with in terms of our lives today at this time in history? Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that I have an answer like vis-a-vis -vis the character, um, mm. but I know that it's made me think a lot about uh, hope, you know, mm -hmm. in hopeless times and um, about uh, sort of like personal integrity and, and um, the, in the sense, not just of being, you know, uh, having integrity in your relationships with other people, but keeping sort of like your core humanity and not just having cynicism like completely evaporate that. Because mm -hmm. um, I think this is my take on it, but, but in the play, kind of apart from history, but in the play by the end, um, Janos has lost himself and, mm. you know, is sort of a hollow, he's a walking, empty person. <laughs> um, and so just like thinking about what it takes to not have that happen, even mm -hmm. in the most oppressive, um, politically and personally oppressive circumstances. Um, and, and also just thinking about uh, the strength that these people had, you know, I mean, because it's historically accurate, like the Reichs were in prison multiple times, you know, mm -hmm. and, and something like that and to be able to do that and then like still come out and live your life and and still be like a whole person is just astounding to me you know because i yeah i've never been to prison and i can't claim a personal experience like that um yeah so um something for me there's a line that the author says when he says we don't know why people <laughs> made the choices they do we just know what they did and so that's what's really interesting for me is that as an actor every night i do have to know why he did what he did. And it's not simple. Like we talked about in other, in some things where it's like, oh, I can, it's a simple, it's good guy, bad guy. He did this because he was a good guy, the end. This is not simple. These are real humans with real life situations and real emotional ties and real political ties. And so every night, for, for me, there's a couple of very hard decisions that if you look at it historically, it's not real clear why he did what he did, but I have to make that decision every night. And uh, it's not exactly the same decision every night mm. on the why. And what's telling about that to me is that sort of resonates in my own life. Mm. Why I do the things I do. Sometimes it's real clear why, and sometimes I look back and I say, why did, why did I do that? <laughs> and I think that's what tells me a lot here. This is a guy you can read about online for ages. But to think about like, why? Why did he do this to me is insanely moving and valuable as an actor. Yeah. For me, I think it's looking at pieces like this and finding so much relevance to the world now and just thinking how on earth did, is this still, like things like this still so relevant and present in our lives. And it's great that it's relevant for certain reasons, but like <laughs> that we can identify with it. But, but for a few, for things like ties to Russia and the feeling of the oppression, how we're still here. I mean, I know it wasn't that long ago, but having it feel like it just happened almost mm -hmm. is something that always throws me um, every time I think about it, and every time I would watch those shows, like this is, it's a really moving piece of theater. And it makes me so sad sometimes when you see Yuli at the end, when she, she's been so strong this entire play, and, and she's taken away at the end, and we hear that we don't know where she, if she's still in prison or what's happening. And we, and we think about that, and I was like, wow, when I originally thought of this piece, I thought that maybe 
this character was deceased already. Like she might still be out there. And that's something that's insane mm. yeah. and crazy to think about. And so finding the relevance in it is just insane to me. And it still gives me so many questions. I hadn't even thought about that. But yeah. Yeah, there's an interesting dissatisfaction at the end in certain ways that I think is really useful. But as, you know, you want a happy ending or you just want to know and you don't get to know. In the real world, there is a kind of happy ending. I I don't want to give away particularly the ending of the play. I think, and we've, we've, we've said, I think, a tantalizing amount about that. In real life, there was, but the ending does end with this question, and, and that's very much its point. It's like, hey, this is still going on, we have a concern. And out of that comes a sort of an optimism that I've taken from the play, because I did worry when we were presenting it, like, why are we telling this you know, depressing story that ends on a pretty, um, you know, if, at best, an equivocal, but, but a not, um, you know, not an optimistic note. But I find an optimism in it because of the time that's passed, and this mm-hmm. is where our distance helps some. Um, in that, um, as Jesse says, it, it's not that long ago, but it seems striking that we're revisiting these things because I think most of us uh, either came of age or, um, or have gotten used to these events and this kind of thing being passed. And we really thought we were through um, the kind of um, police state activities and authoritarian governments that, um, that dominate it. Um, and, I, and that was a mistake, obviously, to believe these things go away. But this is where the optimism comes in. I think we see um, in the yin and yang a constant tension between what we think of as forces of an open society or freedom or love and, and um, generosity and um, compelling interests either of individuals or within ourselves, a darker side. It, you know, it does go back to the Star Wars question, <laughs> being a, a dark side and a force. Um, that that the two are in constant tension and that doesn't go away. The, the reason that's optimistic is we know that as dark as things can get, there's still a light. And that that, to me, is worth continuing to, to, to live with and go on and always pursue the best we can do um, because, because it, we're not defeated when, when there are darker times or darker um, powers or you know, governmental powers or social powers. Uh, personal or, or political are, um, are in the ascendancy. And that's really been an interesting way of coming out of it. It's, I believe that the play offers a, one of the characters anyway a kind of transcendence after being caught up in a struggle. Um, and, and I think that's the gift that the play offers, is us a chance to see, particularly playing it now and not right at its time, that, that the, the history has um, uh, opportunity, uh, exists in tension. And so we can continually to choose the best we can, um, but that tension is something that that is, uh, is is not defeating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything comes in waves. Yeah, that's been on my mind a lot lately. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yep, yep. Um, amazing. Well, Shadow of Heroes is playing at the Metropolitan Playhouse. It opens today because this is released tomorrow. So it opens today and it runs until when? Uh, December 9th. And you can get tickets where? Right at metropolitanplayhouse.org. Perfect. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. It was wonderful to get to see the show. 
Thank you, Aaron, Michael, Jesse, and Alex Rowe for hanging out to chat. And, of course, thanks to Alex Randrup for another excellent interview. You can catch Shadow of Heroes at Metropolitan Playhouse, 220 East 4th Street in Manhattan through December 9th, 2018. Head to metropolitanplayhouse.org for a link to tickets and more information. Thanks to you for listening into the podcast. If you dig it, please like it on Facebook, facebook.com slash go see a show. Follow at go see a show on Twitter and rate and or comment on the show's Apple Podcasts page. My name is Robert A.K. Gagno. You can find me on the internet at Robert Gagno, G-O-N-Y-O dot com. Until next time, go see a show. Yeah, absolutely. I like your sweatshirt a lot. Thank you very much. Yeah. Be more kind. Oh, I love that. It's great. Thank you. Okay.